Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation tonight, the gospel reading just read, Mark 8, verses 1 to 9. In those days when a great crowd had gathered, they had nothing to eat. Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, many of you know that I have been to Haiti six times. The first time with my wife was kind of a fact-finding, sight-seeing, lay-of-the-land kind of visit. But the next five were times when I had the opportunity to preach in the makeshift seminary there, to lead worship, to teach people of all ages, and it was a sight to behold, something that affected me tremendously. One of the trips down there, there were students, high school students, college-age students, seminary-type students that had come from about 80 miles in circumference around Port-au-Prince, Haiti. I never gave it a thought how they got there, but bright and early every morning, all of the students were there. We would go till about noon, I was exhausted and famished. I would go off in the corner and eat and drink. I never gave it a thought about the students. When I came back in the room, there they were, ready to go. We would go until about 4.30 or 5 o'clock. The bells would ring, and it was time for church. Every day, the same routine. The worship services were two, two and a half, three hours long. Nobody said anything about time. One time I asked Pastor Louis how long I should preach. He didn't understand the question. I pointed to my wristwatch that I was wearing at that time and I said, how long should I preach? And then I realized he understood the question quite well. He looked at me and said, well, I suppose that's up to the Holy Spirit. It was about the third day of these marathon teaching preaching sessions. It dawned on me that while I was drinking a bottle of cold water and stuffing a sandwich or two into my face, that the students never left the room. They didn't go anywhere. Not to eat, not to drink, not even go to the bathroom. They were afraid that they would miss some of the teaching. So the next day, I got sandwiches and Coca-Cola for each of the students. They still didn't leave the room. 
They were afraid that they would miss even a single word of instruction from the Bible. My friends, I can't tell you how inspiring that was. I can't tell you how humbling that was. I can't tell you how shaming that was. People who cared more about hearing the Word of God. People who cared more about learning the Word of God than anything else. Some of these men would get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and begin their journey so that they could get to the classroom on time. I had no clue. I had no idea. But I can tell you that after those visits and trips to Haiti, things just don't look the same here in America. I oftentimes wonder if our blessings as a nation, our blessings as individuals, have distorted our values and our priorities. How many of us would think of sitting day after day after day for 10, 12, 15 hours in church and Bible study? Not me. How many of us would take off work, vacation, in order to go to church? Not me. It seems like we have so much in the way of material blessings that we somehow take for granted the spiritual blessings. The more we have, the more we want. And the more we want, the more we think we need. It happens to all of us. Our values, our priorities are distorted. Every time this reading from Mark 8 comes up, I'm reminded of those faithful brothers in Christ in Haiti. The crowd sat at Jesus' feet for three days. Now you may say it's their own fault. They weren't prepared. They should have packed the lunch. But they didn't leave. They cared more about food for their soul than about food for their body. My friends, today as we examine this part of God's Word, God teaches us much about our values and priorities. And he also teaches us much about who God is. A God of love, a God of mercy, a God of compassion. My friends, when we think of our material blessings, 
How often do we give thanks to God for the stuff that we have? Oh, maybe once in a while. Maybe Thanksgiving Day. But how often do we thank God as the giver of all good gifts? It's indeed all too rare. Instead, we take the gifts that God has given us and we turn them into objects of worship. That's right. We worship our stuff. We worship our leisure. We worship pretty much anything and everything except the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if something gets in the way of our material worship, we are angry. God's Word teaches us clearly that we should have no other gods besides the one true God. That we should fear, love, and trust in Him above all things. Above all stuff. And yet, it's far too easy that when it comes to being in God's house, hearing God's word, receiving God's gifts, that we can get very defensive, especially with how we allocate our time. Built into the nature of sin are excuses. And we can come up with any and every excuse not to be in God's house. Well, we'll have church again on Sunday or Wednesday. I can go anytime. We can go anytime. But God says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. We shouldn't despise God's word and preaching. We should gladly hear and learn it. Oh, we'll gladly sleep in if we had a late night. We'll gladly go out to brunch. We'll gladly make it to a sporting event or practice. We'll gladly hit that early tea time. We'll gladly do about anything and everything and put God and His Word and the divine service on the back burner. My friends, it happens to us all. God teaches us that we need to have our values and our priorities straight. We need to remember that we are body and soul people. That's right. When God created the first man, Adam, he shaped Adam out of the dust of the ground. You looked and there was a man, but he wasn't alive. He wasn't alive until God breathed into him the breath of life. All of us are body and soul people. We have no problem worrying or taking care of or maybe even worshiping our bodies. But our souls, my friends, 
There are some experts, theologians, historians that look at the Christian church and they go, oh, the immortality of the soul. That's some, some oddball teaching that was acquired from the Greeks. That's not intrinsic in Scripture. They could not be farther from the truth. We are body and soul people. Those early Greeks who believed in the immortality of the soul hated the body. They disdained the body. The purpose of life was to shed the body. We believe not only in the immortality of the soul, but in the resurrection of the body. Why? Because we are body and soul people. When we get things out of whack with our values and our priorities, we fall into the ditch on one side or the other. We heard in our epistle reading, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God, through Jesus Christ, His person and His work, has won for us forgiveness, life, and salvation earned by Jesus Christ, given to us in the waters of holy baptism. We know that. We believe that. And yet, at the same time, it is so hard for us to acknowledge that we are dying people in a dying body. That's reality, folks. Our bodies are dying. We know it. At least deep down, we know it. But we don't want to think about that. We don't want to dwell on that fact. Every time we get sick, Every time we read the obituaries, every time we see another wrinkle or gray hair or no hair, we're reminded that we are living right now in dying bodies. My friends, it's okay. It's okay. We live in dying bodies. God has taken care of our biggest need in the gift of Jesus. Our salvation is secure. Our name is written in the book of life. When we get our priorities mixed up, we forget to live. We forget to live in our dying bodies. We live our lives in panic. We live our lives in fear. As if the most important thing is adding a few more seconds onto our life. We have seen thousands, millions of examples of people living in fear these last three years. They're so afraid to die that they forgot how to live. 
God wants us to live right here and right now, have life to the full in our dying bodies. Our future, our salvation is secure. Our name's written in that book of life with the holy, innocent, precious blood of Jesus. It's guaranteed. And so now, not having to worry about our greatest enemy, death, which has been defeated, we are free. We are free to live and to love and to laugh and to enjoy the blessings that God has given us. Ask any little child in this congregation. I dare you. Ask them. Who is Jesus and what did he do? I guarantee you they will tell you Jesus is God and Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sins. The little children have it right. The little children have their priorities and their values straight. None of them will tell you, well, Jesus fed the 4,000 and so now I don't have to worry about my food. No! Their priorities are right. The greatest need has been taken care of. The forgiveness of sins, life and salvation. My friends, if Jesus took care of your greatest need, your soul, you think he'll forget to take care of your body? Do you think he doesn't know that you get hungry and thirsty? Jesus knows what it's like to be hungry and not have a morsel of bread to eat. Jesus knows what it's like to be thirsty and somebody gave him vinegar to drink instead of a cool sip of water. Jesus knows our earthly needs because he lived here with us. But more importantly, my friends, he lived here for us. Jesus had compassion on the crowds. That's who Jesus is. Love, mercy, and compassion. Compassion is an action word. It's a word that means not only having pity or feeling sorry, but doing something about it. He saw the need of the crowd and he acted. The disciples, well, the disciples acted just like you and me. The disciples wanted to do the math. Well, let's see, we have 4,000 people here. We have seven loaves and a few fish. Uh, yeah, I suppose if we cut them small enough, we can give a little tidbit, a little crumb to everyone. That's our nature, isn't it? We want to try to figure it out. Jesus defies our reason and our logic. Jesus doesn't do the math. Jesus is compassion. And he fed the crowds. With that small amount of bread and fish, he fed 4,000 men and their families and had seven large basketfuls left over. 
Our God is a gift-giving God. Our God gives in abundance. He gives us more than we need to support this body and life so that we can live life to the full, so that we can be satisfied, and so that we can share our abundance with others. My friends, we don't have to worry about whether God cares for our material needs. Of course he does. In the same way that he gave the children of Israel manna day by day for 40 years in the wilderness, he promises to give us everything we need, everything we truly need to support this body and life. And he wants us to have our priorities right, our values right. We are body and soul people. What good does it do us to take care of our bodies and neglect our soul? My friends, Jesus is teaching us tonight. His compassion is never ending. For all of the times we have been too self-absorbed to realize that our souls needed to be fed. For all of the times when we have groped after the false idols of this world rather than the Word of God. For all of the times we have despised preaching and God's word for all these sins and more our compassionate God Jesus God in the flesh went to the cross he bled he died he suffered in our stead body and soul Jesus hung on Calvary's cross body and soul he died and three days later, body and soul, Jesus rose from the dead. Your sins are forgiven. You're free. You're free to live in this dying body that God has given you. But don't be fooled. Don't listen to the lies of this world. Though our bodies may die, we will live forever with Christ. On the last day, Jesus will raise all the dead bodies. Bodies and souls will reunite. And body and soul, we will be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. My friends, Jesus teaches us well. He teaches us that we should seek first the kingdom of God. And all these other things will be added to us as well. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. May God instill in us 
A never-ending hunger for that word. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our bodies and souls. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. We stand and sing the offertory. <laughs>